Welcome to Recovery Coast to Coast, broadcasting from Clear Channel Studios in Seattle, Washington, carried live on Fox Radio 850 KHHO in Tacoma, Washington, and carried nationally in streaming audio at www.recoverycoasttocoast.org. Two hours of interviews and features, plus questions and comments about this one-day-at-a-time adventure in personal recovery as we share experience, strength, and hope with others so that they may recover from alcohol and other drug and behavioral addictions. And now, Recovery Coast to Coast is on the air. Here's your host, Neil Scott. Welcome back once again, Recovery Coast to Coast, the only program in America on the air five nights a week, two hours a night, talking about addiction with a focus on recovery. I'm Neil Scott. We're here till midnight tonight. And uh, as you know, one of my big passions in addition to recovery is music. And whenever I can marry those two, man, I'm all over it. Tonight, joining us in the studio is Andrea Witkins. She's a New York-based singer-songwriter and kind of a God incidence that brought us together today. I have two very dear friends, uh, Steve and Terry Massardo, live in Socrates, New York. Ten years, they ran a venue called the John Street Jam, which I believe was the best in the country. And it was uh, once a month, and it was... Uh, in a church and great acoustics and it was in the round and it was it was absolutely perfect they stopped doing that unfortunately they're still doing some other things they're both musicians and uh, they got in touch with me and said uh, a friend of ours named Andrea is coming to town and uh, you should uh, talk to her so I said I would be glad to do that come to find out I asked the question do you have any songs about recovery and she said do I have any songs about recovery I have songs I have stories I have history Andrea welcome to recovery Go Coast to coast. Thanks so much for having me. <sighs> How long have you been in recovery? This October, Halloween, will actually be four years. <laughs> Trick or treat. Trick or treat. <laughs> <laughs> Holy smokes. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about your history using that brought you up to Halloween. Oh, the yeah, which I, by the way, think is a fabulous day to decide to turn your life around. In fact, I didn't know it was Halloween <laughs> until t- someone told me a week later that that, that happened to me, you know, yeah. day one. I, I think like like many people, I uh, you know started off as drinking with with friends in high school and college, and it all felt normal and it felt okay to be out of control. Where, where did you grow up? I know you lived in Seattle for a while. You lived in Wisconsin, yeah, New uh, York. I, I go to Wisconsin a lot. I, I'm from Anaganish, Nova Scotia. Right. Yep. I grew up there. Small town. Very kind of Irish, Scottish. Everybody loves to drink. <laughs> um, but uh, from there, I, I've lived in Calgary. I've lived in Seattle. And then I just moved to New York five wow. years ago. I thought I was going to New York to pursue music. And, I, and you know, in the end I did, but really it was to, to get sober. <laughs> kind of a geographic, was it? It was very much a geographic, <laughs> yes. <laughs> when did the problem start for you, Andrea? Uh, well, I mean, it's funny. Hindsight's always twenty twenty. I, I, I find that, you know, when I look back, I feel like I, I see the 13-year-old me drinking alcoholically. Mm. That's you know? when you started, 13? 13. Yeah, I mean, not not heavily, I, but it started with, you know, experimenting like a mm. lot of kids do. So at that point, I, it didn't feel that different. But I felt like I, I definitely had that feeling like I had met my best friend. You know, I felt mm. I felt um, it felt epic. It felt uh, I felt elation. I felt like it kind of lifted me out. And I remember that that very first time. And even though it took a while for it to progress to the point where, you know, it was a problem, I, I still, you know, I, I feel like that obsession was around for a while, you know, oh. I can. This is how I'm going to escape. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it worked for you. It worked. Yeah, it, it works until it doesn't. Yeah, you know, and then and then it's then it's this awful thing where you know this thing that used to be your best friend and that used to make make you feel better is now making you feel worse. But the, the you know to make matters worse, 
you also can't stop. Mm-hmm. You know, that's mm-hmm. when you cross that invisible. When invisible did you line. realize there was a problem? I remember, I remember when I well, the first time that I decided it was a good idea to drink in the morning <laughs> was a <laughs> red flag. And I remember saying to myself, like, this is not normal. Normal people don't do that. But I'm just going to do that, and I, I I can figure it out later. So that that was a red flag. I, I felt like I it, I used to be able to stop for two weeks at a time. I'd say I'm going to cleanse out, or you know, I take a month off, and then detox. Got, detox. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to take you know, prove to myself that I can not drink. And then I got to the point where I would try to do that and have every intention of doing that and wake up and not be able to get through the day without it. Mm-hmm. And then I'd start the next day and say, okay, well, today is going to be the day that you start your two-week cleanse. And that two-week cleanse just never got started wow. again. And that's when I realized that, okay, I might need I might need some help. Were there people who recognized that in you, that uh, things were going uh, off the rails? Yeah. I mean, no one I, I no one ever uh, sat me down for an official intervention, mm-hmm. but but friends would mention it like, well, you know, you you're you like to drink a lot or you are you are drinking frequently. You know, they kind of yeah, that gentle yeah. way of saying, yeah, you know, yeah. not that you're a drunk, but um, it would mention it to me. And, I, and I, I just knew myself. It's that awful feeling that I think anyone who's experienced addiction has gone through of knowing that something's wrong but keeping it to yourself. Mm. You know, that stage before you find out that there's other people who yeah. share that. It's that awful, lonely stage of something's wrong. I don't know how to quit. I don't even know if I want to quit, but yet something's not working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're only as sick as our secrets. Exactly. Oh, the secret's the worst part. Andrea Whitkin's joining us tonight on Recovery Coast to Coast. She is a woman in long-term recovery, New York-based singer, songwriter, and joining us uh, joining us in the studio. So what what brought you then uh, into the recovery rooms? A, a bottom, basically. I, I It was one of those things that uh, I just, I th- it, w- it was just one night like, like any other night, um, but for whatever reason, I, I got very um, uh, hopeless. I mean, I, I'd, I'd felt kind of generally hopeless, but I really felt hopeless. Like I felt like I was about to explode, and I ended up reaching out to a friend who was not in, in the rooms himself, but was it was uh, had 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 family members who mm-hmm. struggled with addiction, so kind of knew where to point me. So got into recovery that way, went into the rooms, knew that that was the solution. What really, do you remember about that first meeting? That first meeting, I remember thinking that that it was, you know, the, the cliche of it's going to be all uh, old, old men in overcoats yeah. from the bums from the street. In the basement of the church. In the basement of the church, which actually a lot of times it is. Yeah. But it's not bums. It's actually a, a pretty diverse cross-section of humanity. And yeah. that really surprised me. I remember thinking, I'm going to go in there. I'm female, you know. At the time, like, you know, in my 30s, I'm, I'm you know, a blonde hair. Everybody's going to think, what is she doing here? Yeah, yeah. Oh, she can't possibly be an alcoholic. <laughs> and then you walk in there and you see hundreds of people like yeah. yourself and you hear their stories. So yeah. I felt I felt instant relief ah. is what I felt. Weirdly enough, it still took me two years after that to yeah. get to that time. At takes what it takes. Takes what it takes. And I was definitely one of those people that I was very diligent about you know, getting to meetings and and doing what people told me, but I could not really put together, you know, long term. You know, I would put together three months, yeah. six months, you know, and finally I just I had I had to hit a, a second bottom. Mm. What what happened four years ago that was different? It was, you know, what it was the secrecy that got to me, mm-hmm. uh, keeping the secrets. I basically was in this. I'm sure some people relate to this. This place where you're you're telling people that you're quitting drinking. But you're not actually pulling it off, so you're doing a lot of hiding. Yeah, yeah. 
I remember in my mind thinking, you know, it's physically, I probably have, you know, maybe I could continue to drink for years and years. I don't know. I mean, I was doing a lot of it, but, but what was going to take me down was the dishonesty. It felt awful, you know, just especially not honest with people who know have been down that road. And, you know, so I was going to meetings and and lying about how much sobriety I had. I lied Mm -hmm. to my parents, my friends, that felt awful. And that kind of reached a peak. I was actually had a music festival and, um, it, it, uh, I just kind of had another one of those breakdowns where I just had to reach out, and I did, and basically came clean to everybody and said, I've been drinking, you know, Mm. showed them the vodka bottles in the suitcase. And from there, they helped me actually through um, an organization called Music Cares. Oh, I love Music Cares. Music Cares Cares is great. So they they helped me hook up with those guys, and then I went to treatment after that. Nice. And that was the start of the the last four years. Nice. So it kind of took... You know, it feels awful at the time, but I look back at it and I think, well, that was the way it was supposed to happen. I, I had to kind of realize how awful it was to mm. keep that secret. I had to come clean to care the, the musician friends who cared about me and, you know, and get in through me. It just it was a, some one of my friends calls it a conspiracy of love. It just all kind of came together at that, that moment. <laughs> I love it. Conspiracy of love. Yeah. Uh, Andrea Witkin is joining us tonight in the studio. Uh, she's got four years in long-term recovery. She is a singer-songwriter, and she's going to sing what she has written. This one's called Candy from a Cash Machine. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and it, uh, it kind of, it's a poetic expression, I guess, of what it feels like to... Um, to be out, of, it's the insanity and being out of control and not being able to stop knowing something's wrong. Andrea Witkins. Got myself a fix, but it didn't do the trick. I tried to get high, but my blood's too thick, and I need an operation because I'm feeling kind of sick. My body's on the floor and I'm sinking like a brick. Never seen the sky from the edge of a crater. Got my brain hooked up to a dead generator could have been a jedi but i had to be a vader i've been riding through the fires in the service elevator like a broken arrow i couldn't shoot it clean i've been looking at my life like a dirty magazine should have been easy but from what i've seen it's hard to get candy from a cash machine to the curb but they always call them back you hear them in the alley when they took them that smack so i beat them with a stick and i'm feeling like a fiend running out of tricks and it's nearly halloween should have been easy but from what i've seen it's hard to get candy from a cash machine
so I'm closing shop. Is there any other way? I've been having my doubts. Give me one last deal and I swear I'm out. There'll be no complications. You can come for the ride. This will go down easy. You'll be satisfied. You're a trick. You're a treat. There's no in between. It's hard to get candy from a cash machine. You're a trick. You're a treat. There's no in between. It's hard to get candy from a cash machine. You're a trick. You're a treat. There's no in between. It's hard to get candy from a cash machine. You're a trick. You're a treat. There's no in between. Hard to get candy from a cash machine. Andrea Witkins, uh, can't get candy from a cash machine. <laughs> Give me some of the history on that song. When, oh. did, when did you write it, and, and where was the muse from? Well, it's funny. I wrote that song the same music festival. Oh, no. oh my <laughs> goodness. Remember, although it was the year before when I was kind of in, for whatever reason, I don't even know how I pulled it off, but for whatever reason I was not drinking that week, but I was whole, kind of white-knuckling it. Right, right. So, But it was very much on my mind, and... Um, I wrote it with with two friends, uh, James Hall and Kim Manning. Yeah, we just the, we just like the whole idea of like candy from a cash machine. Candy is something kind of sweet and benign, but there's always a price, right? You know, right, right, you, right. <laughs> oh. and you can't, you know, and there's always it. To, to me, you know, I feel like spiritual bankruptcy is a mm-hmm, big part of mm-hmm. my story. Just feeling like I am done. I have just I'm cashed out. I I can't, you know, I I'm done. And so the idea of Trying to get some sort of sweet treat from a cash machine really appealed to that image. Yeah, the account has been drained. The, the account has been drained, and it's no longer candy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tell me about your relationship with your mom and dad during your addiction. Oh well, um, they they were they were just very supportive. My my father actually passed away um, before this last round, so mm. he didn't get a chance to you know see this round. But he he knew that I was uh, trying. My family's been very very supportive. Uh, we have several people in in recovery in our family family disease family disease and so i i feel really lucky because i was definitely not one of those people that felt embarrassed or it felt like it was a big announcement you know i just basically it was a phone call like hey i'm oh by the way by the way (laughs) (laughs) so they've been very supportive and they're very proud and so i'm lucky in that sense New York-based singer-songwriter Andrea Witkins joining us tonight. She's got the keyboard in the studio. We're going to hear some more from Andrea, but we're going to take a short break first. When we come back on the other side, we'll talk a little bit more about her recovery, and we'll talk about uh, her writing and her singing. And uh, she's got a new CD that she's working on. She's doing part of it here in Seattle, part in Wisconsin, and part in New York. It's due out uh, in the spring of next year. We'll talk a little bit more about that when we come back. I'm Neil Scott. The program is Recovery Coast to Coast. Nice to have you with us tonight. Nice to have Andrea in the studio. And always nice to have music in relationship to recovery. We'll be right back after this short timeout. Nothing destroys young lives and tears families apart like chemical dependency. But you have the power to put the pieces back together again with one called the Sundown M Ranch. Sundown's nationally recognized program and professionally certified staff treat each individual teen with care and compassion. Safe, gender-separate, successful treatment. Sundown M Ranch helps put families back together. 1-800-326-7444. 1-800-326-7444. Call today. Welcome back once again, Recovery Coast to Coast, America's nightly voice for recovery. It's great to have you with us tonight. Here tonight and every night, Monday through Friday, 10 to midnight. And if you happen to miss any of the programs, you can go to the website. We've got a bunch of former shows, past shows available at recoverycoasttocoast.org. And if you'd like to be on the show and you have at least a year continuous recovery, drop me a line at recoverycoasttocoast at comcast.net. New York-based singer-songwriter Andrea Witkins is joining us in the studio. Uh, She is in long-term recovery, four years, uh, 
clean and sober. She's got a brand new album that's coming out uh, uh, in the spring of next year. Is there a title to that? Not yet. I mean, right now. Not yet. That's no, a, the I, new, ti- new title is called Not, not Yet. Yet. Not yeah, yet with, with Andrea Witkins. <laughs> but uh, th- there is a, uh, a way that you can help support her and not only support her, but support Music Cares. Yes. Tell me, tell me a little bit more about Music Cares and, and the role they played in your recovery. Well, Music Cares was, I mean, angelic. Would, is seems like an understatement. Mm. I mean, they because I came back from this festival where I had hit, you know, the bottom, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, I also was very much in debt, had no money. There's absolutely no way. I, I and I was, you know, self-employed, so didn't have health insurance. Yeah. I, one of those just awful, you know, a mother's nightmare basically. Um, and um, there's no way I could have paid for treatment. A fellow musician friend of mine said, you know, there's this organization, Music Cares, and I was at. I was I couldn't even I couldn't even pick up the phone. I was just in a really yeah. bad state. A friend actually had to do that for me, make the appointment at Music Cares in New York City and said, "Can you get yourself downtown at 10 a.m. on Monday?" That was Halloween. Halloween. <laughs> 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 uh, and I said, and "I you can't." And you went dressed up as an alcoholic. Oh, right? yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no costume required. But I went there and met this fabulous woman and she just I remember exactly what she said to me first. She said, "You do not have to feel like this way this way anymore." I mean, because wow. she looked at, I was just sitting there. I remember she offered me a cookie, and I kind of, I was just, mm. I was just not in, in, you know, my right mind. But from there, she said, yeah, we, we can fund you to, wow. to go to treatment for a month. Where did they send you? They sent me actually to California because hmm. uh, it was apparently cheaper to do that than to, right. to, for me to stay in New York. I think New York must be very oversaturated, right. and I was very happy to go to California. <laughs> actually, I would have gone to the moon. I told her that, too. I said, I will go to the moon. Just tell me where to go, <laughs> where to buy the— Where do I catch the flight? Exactly. So that that was the life changer. Right what what treatment center in California? It was a place called the Discovery House, hmm. uh, and it was it was family-style— Family style. I don't even know if that's a term for rehab, but it was very, it was very nice and small at the time. I think they've grown since then because they're doing well. But it was, you know, about eleven people in a house. Mm. So we had, um, you know, and they, we had a, a room to, to meet for for group right groups, and um, they also took us out to meetings every night. We had our own kitchen, our own rooms, and it was very uh, intimate. Which what what nice. part of California? Uh, the the San Fernando Valley. Mm. Yeah, nice, yeah. nice. So, what do you remember about that experience? I remember the surreal experience of getting on the plane thinking, I can't believe it's come to this, that I'm mm. going to treatment. <laughs> I, You know, there's because there's that pride thing that sometimes sure. hangs on. Like, I didn't, what? You really, you couldn't do this on your own? And I had been trying for a while. I, You know, my, my first meeting had been in 2009, and this was 2011, and I had been going pretty regularly, mm. you know. It, it was definitely surreal, but I also felt, it's funny, some of my friends from that treatment center remember, they say, you were the happiest person to ever show up at that place because I, cause I looked and I remember thinking, there's palm trees and <laughs> this is cool. And, and they were thinking, none of us were that happy when we yeah, arrived because, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> it was either uh, because of law enforcement or maybe, right. you know, an intervention. But uh, I was re- just relieved. I was happy to be kept safe from myself for at least yeah, 30 days. Nice. You know what I mean? Like and that gives you a good running start. It does. It gives you a good running start. And it was just 30 days where I did not have to worry about the decision mm-hmm. of whether to wake up and take that step, you right. know, left or right. You know, people talk about, well, treatment's 30 days and, and then you're fine. No, 30 days is a start oh. and recovery is for a lifetime. It is. It is a process and it uh, you need to enhance your recovery. You need to keep doing things to, to be better today than you were yesterday. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, as, as our listeners know, I don't even like to use the term relapse prevention. I'd like to 
call it recovery enhancement. Right. Because uh, it, it, it is a lifetime and it's a new way of life. And the only thing you have to change is everything. Right. It's, it's not a tall order. No, no, just everything. <laughs> just a psychic change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you bring your guitar to treatment? Um, I actually, at that point, barely played guitar. Mm. I, I, they had a guitar there. Yeah. And, you know, there were several people who played, and, and I would noodle around. And we definitely, in fact, I remember I, I sang Candy from a Cash Machine. Just uh, someone was noodling oh, around. I sang. Oh, my that, goodness. That went over well. I'll bet it did. <laughs> I bet it did. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. If, I still have people who I talk to after a while. Go, what was that song you sang that night? <laughs> Cash, Candy. Oh. Hey. So you go to California, and you go there by yourself? Yes. Uh, and, and again, that's a, that's a tall order to jump on a plane and go across the country into a place that you've yeah. never been before, a, yeah. a, a building, a treatment center you've never been before, yeah. struggling all, to stay alive. Yep, yep. And, wow. and you know, and it's all people. It's not it, these people you don't know before yeah. you go in there. You're living with them on a very intimate basis <sighs> for, like, the next month you're sharing your deepest Their family. Seat. Their family. And it's funny because it's any it's, like, young like teenagers up through, you know, middle age people, and yeah. we all relate. I yeah. mean, that that is one of the, the perks, I think, of recovery is getting that human connection no matter who you are. Yeah. I mean, it's just... What happened on the 31st day? Uh, the 31st day, I remember being very freaked out to get on the plane and, and feel yeah. like I was a civilian again yeah. because I was thinking, am I trustable? Am yeah. I trustworthy? And Probably a part of you wanted to stay there. Yeah. You know, and, and I mean, people don't wake up on a bright, sunshiny day and say, I think I'll do something about my drinking. Yeah. They don't go yeah. into treatment because, uh, you know, the hotels are filled up. Right. <laughs> uh, and, and yet, usually by the end of treatment, it's like, these are people that have become my family for the last right. four weeks, six weeks, whatever the time is. Am I going to see is. them again? Yes. Are we all going to make it? Yes, you know, there's that yes. thing too. You know? And the reality is most won't make it. Exactly. And, and recovery is a gift and you have to nourish that gift. Right. So you get on the plane and then you fly back to New York. Back to New York. And I, I think that, that fear of being a civilian, as I used to call it civilian because that's the closest where I can come up with, but that fear of... I remember putting down in my journal, I'm, 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 I'm scared that I, I will relapse or I'm, I'm scared mm, that I won't be able mm, to do this yeah, because I yeah. haven't, haven't had a good track record. And, uh, but that fear actually motivated me to step up my program a lot more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I made it the main thing. That was yeah. like what I did right. for right. for those Recovery years. first. Recovery first. Because if you don't put it first, everything else will go to crap. And I've, I'm walking... Right. <laughs> example of that. Right, right. So yeah. you get back to New York and a, a new way of living, a new way of life, uh, yeah. a, a new recovery. Yeah. Uh, you immediately start going into the rooms. I assume you get yes. either an old sponsor or hook up I with your... I actually had the same sponsor. Same sponsor, yeah, okay. She's been very, with me and, and very, very, very supportive. And I had a lot of friends there. That was another thing that worked out for me is that mm -hmm. because I had started off in New York, uh, I had a lot of dear recovery friends. And so it was I was able to kind of fall back into that mm -hmm. and not create something... Um, you know, from scratch. So I just went in, I went full. I, I, I actually took a little bit of a break from music in terms of getting out into clubs and bars because that just, it was too, it was just too much pressure yeah. and it, it just kind of put me in a weird space. And so I just decided to, to only do safer yeah. musical activities. And, yeah, and yeah. I, I, got, I got what I call, you know, a sober job, which kept, kept me kind of yeah. structured. I really needed structure. Yeah. And I, uh, 
put put the main focus on recovery. Yeah. And and it's all due to to Music Cares, and and you're paying it forward now with Music Cares uh, with a new CD that's be coming out next spring. And if you go to pledgemusic.com forward slash Andrea Whitkins W I T T G E N S. The proceeds from that will uh, will help the folks at Music Cares. Tell me about the CD and tell me about where you are in terms of finishing it. Well, um, I just I just started the pledge campaign uh, last month, and so uh, but I've, I'm also simultaneously recording, and, and I've come mm-hmm. to Seattle. I, I think what it's turned out to be makes sense given my story is that I have a lot of dark songs and I have a lot of light songs, right? Because I've I've you know I've hit bottom, and then I've also discovered you know, some newfound joys and peace and serenity. So I didn't want to have to choose between, you know, oh, I'm, I'm only going to do light songs that are joyful or I'm only, I wanted right, to, right. to kind of pay respect to both sides. So some of these songs are actually very acoustic. It's just me and a piano mm. singing. I have some gospel singers mm. and those are, those are kind of the more spiritual songs. Yeah. And then there's, there are other ones that, I, that are a little bit grittier, more electric and that's mm-hmm. kind of where I'm exploring, you know, darker depths. So I, I'm not sure if they're all going to go on one CD or if it'll end up being two EPs that are kind of, you know, that kind of right, go right. together like a, a moon and a sun. Yeah, yeah. I, and and I, I trust that that will work itself out as I finish the songs. Usually I'm pretty good at, you know, you asked mm. about the title. Usually that kind of just comes to me. As soon as I'm finished with the recording, right. it'll be, you know, a revelation. So uh, we'll see. But right now we're just kind of in the thick of getting all the songs. I I haven't recorded in five years, and so um, it, I have a lot of songs. Yeah. That You're recording in three places. Why? Because I want to uh, record in the places that mean the most to me. Mm, you know, nice. it's, it's Seattle. I lived here for 13 years. I have had a, so many experiences here. Wisconsin, I've been going to those songwriting retreats and those music festivals about twice a year for the last five years. So a lot's been done there. In fact, most of the songs from this album were, were done at the Holiday Music Motel in, in Sturgeon Bay, Wisconsin. So I, I want to represent that. And then, of course, New York is my new city. And I, I went there and basically had to get sober first. Yeah. And now I'd like to have some musical experiences. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Andrea Whitkins joining us tonight on Recovery Coast to Coast, uh, New York-based singer-songwriter. She has a new CD that will be uh, titled and completed next spring. Uh, would you do another song for us? Absolutely. How about I do one that's a little more uplifting and spiritual after Candy in the Cash Machine? Sure. <laughs> Up we go. <laughs> I figured I'd, I'd do the contrast. So this one's called If Love, Then Mercy, Too. And it's, um, it's very hymn-like, basically about searching for, I guess, a, a higher power is the only way I can describe it.
there in the temple weren't there with the saints you weren't there in the circle throwing stones at my shame but at the top of the mountain if i sing out your name there is love there is love and mercy too there is love there is love through the wrong and the right in the darkest of nights there is Andrea Witkins and a great song uh, that will be on the new CD, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this sure. will be your third CD. The first one was called Alibi. The last one was In the Skyline. In the Skyline. And uh, this will, uh, we'll have to wait and see what this <laughs> what, what, what this one's going to be. How has your writing changed being in recovery the last four years? Uh, I feel, I mean, I've, I've always used songs as a way of being honest, <clears throat> but I feel like I'm, I'm more apt to be um, maybe more uh more honest about about joyful things mm-hmm. I, I think i always had an easy time being cynical and, and complaining in songs you know and, and having fun playing with kind of dark images and that's still a very important part because you know we all experience that but i i feel like one thing that's changed is that i'm um i'm i'm less afraid to just express simple simple joy i mean i never would have been writing yeah. a song like this five <laughs> years ago. Not that I didn't like it in other people, but I just, it wouldn't. Right, right. The idea of singing a phrase like, I know in my bones we are never alone, just it wouldn't, it wouldn't occur to me. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. <laughs> so wow. um, that's changed. I'm, I'm collaborating a lot more. I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know, it's funny. I, I used to isolate a lot with my addiction and I also used to isolate a lot with my art. And, and you know, sometimes I still do that a little bit, but I, I'm, I'm writing with a lot of other people now. And that's, that's changed the flavor and uh, color of the songs as well. When did you first start writing? I, I didn't write my first song, in, uh, let's see, until I was in my early 20s. I always loved writing piano music, mm. but uh, I assumed that I would just have to meet a poet someday and that we'd put our words and our music <laughs> together. And then when I didn't write the poet, I thought, okay, well, I'm tired of waiting. I'm just going to try my hand at, hand at it. Yeah, and, I, and it turned out I, I like it a lot. You know, it's actually one of my favorite things now is just sitting and toying with words. Uh, so, um, yeah, I've been, I guess I've been writing for about 15, 20 years. Mm. Yeah. New York-based singer-songwriter Andrea Witkins. By the way, her website, I want to give you that uh, before we get too much further along, uh, andreawitkins.com, which is uh, pretty easy to remember. And, again, the, uh, the, the pledgemusic.com is pledgemusic.com forward slash Andrea Witkins. She hit her bottom in New York. Hopped on a plane, went to California, uh, got that 30-day running start, and is is off one day at a time. And and now working the program rather than uh, the program rather than Andrea's program. 
Exactly. Because clearly that didn't work out very well. <laughs> it did not work out. Everybody's going to try it, I guess. And it's funny. It's still sometimes, you know, I, anytime I find myself discontent, it's usually because I'm trying to, you know, stew and run my own yeah. program. And I, the minute I, have, I turn it over, it's, it works. Yeah, 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 yeah. What do you say to people that you meet who are now, today, where you were four, five, six years ago? Uh, you mean just on the cusp or just starting out in, or, or, yeah, or at an active of, bottom? <laughs> yeah, in, in, in terms of struggling and not, you know, trying it and, and going to meetings and, and falling back and, and yeah. thinking, of, you know, I tried treatment, nothing works. I and One of the things I, I've said to a lot of people because I had to say to myself is, you know, or I, I it, it it worked out this way is that I, I am not losing hope in you in the sense that, that it sometimes takes 20 times. It sometimes yeah. takes going to a lot of meetings and there's no... There's no going in, trying it once, relapsing, and then saying, "Well, I'm clearly not meant to do it." Or, you know, I. So I guess the thing is just keep on. They say keep coming back. Right. I, that that is probably the best thing. Right. And that, you know, I like sharing about my experience of struggling. You know, for a couple of years before getting this round, because a lot of people think that they're the only one who's not getting it. Right. You know, they think, "Oh, I'll look at all these people who have long-term sobriety, and I'm coming in and." I don't get it, you know, but in yeah. truth, a lot of people have struggled for a long time. And so it's uh, that's probably one of the best things I can say to someone is like, you know what, October 2011, I didn't think I, I, I literally remember saying to a friend, I give up, I can't do this. And <laughs> I, I meant the program. I was I meant I'd tried it enough. It's not working. I can't do it anymore. Mm. And, and but of course, she convinced me to go back to a meeting that night and and that's, uh, that's, yeah. that, that's all it takes, one day at a time. You, do, you right. know, uh, people think, oh, I can never stay sober for 20 years. No, stay sober today. That's oh, all you got to do. Exactly. Just put a bunch of 24s together. Yeah, I can't even think of, you know, more than a day at a time. Sometimes I can't even think of a whole day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Andrea Witkin's nice enough to stop by tonight uh, on Recovery Coast to Coast. Uh, she lives in New York, singer-songwriter. We're going to uh, take a short time up. Andrea Witkin's in Long-Term Recovery, joining us tonight on Recovery Coast to Coast. I'm Neil Scott. We'll be here till midnight tonight. Thanks so much for joining us, and uh, we'll take a break and be back with more of Andrea Witkin's. Thank you for calling AAA. How can I help you? Oh, great. Hi, we've got a major malfunction going on here. What's the problem, sir? Well, the problem is that some friends and I decided to go whitewater rafting down this river just outside of town. Sounds adventurous. Yeah, well, it was until one of us who kept his keys in his pocket lost them. Hello. <laughs> when he fell, uh, oh, I'm sorry, was thrown out of the raft by some supposed tidal wave. Oh, so you're locked out. <laughs> well, we were until our friend Brian came out with an extra set of keys. So you're not locked out. Uh, no. But Brian is. Nice job, Brian. The genius locked his keys in the car when he got out to give us our extras. Bummer. Exactly. Well, tell Brian to hang tight and we'll be right out. Oh, you are the best. See, I told you, man. They're the best. At AAA, we understand it's never just the lockout. That's why we're dedicated to helping you with quick personal service to get you moving again. AAA. We're not just about cars. We're about you. Call 1-800-JOIN-AAA or visit AAA.com. Join now and get $10 off a basic membership. You knew you couldn't go on like this. Alcohol was ruining your life. But there was no way you could take time away from work to get help. Until now. Sundown Am Ranch Outpatient Program fits your schedule and it works. Sundown Am Ranch, located outside of Yakima, Washington, offers individual, group, and family counseling, plus relapse prevention services. Their nationally recognized drug and alcohol treatment programs will put you on the road to recovery. Get your life back on track. Go online at www.sundown.org to learn more. 
Welcome back once again, Recovery Coast to Coast, America's nightly voice for recovery. It's great to have you with us tonight. Here tonight and every night, Monday through Friday, 10 to midnight. And if you happen to miss any of the programs, you can go to the website. We've got a bunch of former shows, past shows available at recoverycoasttocoast.org. And if you'd like to be on the show and you have at least a year continuous recovery, drop me a line at recoverycoasttocoast at comcast.net. New York-based singer-songwriter Andrea Witkins is joining us in the studio. Uh, She is in long-term recovery, four years, uh, clean and sober. She's got a brand-new album that's coming out uh, uh, in the spring of next year. Is there a title to that? Not yet. I mean, right now. Not yet. That's no, a, the I, new, ti- new title is called Not, not Yet. Yet. Not yeah, Yet with, with Andrea Witkins. <laughs> but uh, th- there is a, uh, a way that you can help support her and not only support her, but support Music Cares. Yes. Tell me, tell me a little bit more about Music Cares and, and the role they played in your recovery. Well, Music Cares was, I mean, angelic. Would, is seems like an understatement. Mm. I mean, they because I came back from this festival where I had hit, you know, the bottom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, I also was very much in debt, had no money. There's absolutely no way. I And I was, you know, self-employed, so didn't have health insurance. Yeah. They, one of those just awful, you know, a mother's nightmare, basically. Mm. Um, and um, there's no way I could have paid for treatment. A fellow musician friend of mine said, you know, there's this organization, Music Cares. And I was at... I was I couldn't even I couldn't even pick up the phone. I was just in a really yeah. bad state. A friend actually had to do that for me, make the appointment at Music Cares in New York City, and said, "Can you get yourself downtown at 10 a.m. on Monday?" That was ha- Halloween. Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I said, and "Okay." You went, you went dressed up as an alcoholic. Oh right? yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no costume required. But I went there and met this fabulous woman, and she just I remember exactly what she said to me first. She said, "You do not have to feel like this way this way anymore." I mean, because wow. she looked at, I was just sitting there. I remember she offered me a cookie and I kind of, I was just, uh, I was just not in, in, you know, my right mind. But from there she said, yeah, we can, we can fund you to, wow. to go to treatment for a month. Where did they send you? They sent me actually California because hmm. uh, it was apparently cheaper to do that than to, right. for me to stay in New York. I think New York must be very oversaturated right. and I was very happy to go to California. <laughs> actually, I would have gone to the moon. I told her that too. I said, I will go to the moon. Just tell me where to go, <laughs> where to buy the... Where do I catch the flight? Exactly. So that that was the life changer. What, right what treatment center in California? It was a place called the Discovery House. Hmm. Uh, and it was it was family style. Family style. I don't even know if that's a term for rehab, but it was very, it was very nice and small at the time. I think they've grown since then because they're doing well, but it was you know, about 11 people in a house. Mm. So we had, um, you know, and they, we had a, a room to, to meet for, for group right. groups. And um, they also took us out to meetings every night. We had our own kitchen, our own rooms. And it was very uh, intimate, which what, is nice. What part of California? Uh, the, the San Fernando Valley. Mm. Yeah. Nice, yeah. nice. So what do you remember about that experience? I remember the surreal experience of getting on the plane thinking, I can't believe it's come to this, that I'm Mm. going to treatment <laughs> I you know there's because there's that pride thing that sometimes sure. hangs on like I didn't what you really you couldn't do this on your own and I had been trying for a while I you know my my first meeting had been in 2009 and this was 2011 and I had been going pretty regularly mm. you know it, it was definitely surreal but I also felt it's funny some of my friends from that treatment center remember they say you were the happiest person to ever show up at that place because because I, I looked and I remember thinking, there's palm trees and this is cool. And, and they were thinking none of us were that happy when we yeah, arrived because, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> it was either uh, because of law enforcement or maybe, right. you know, an intervention. But um, I was re- just relieved. I was happy to be kept safe from myself for at least yeah, 30 days. Nice. 
You know what I mean? Like and that gives you a good running start. It does. It gives you a good running start. And it was just 30 days where I did not have to worry about the decision of mm-hmm. whether to wake up and take that step, you know, right. left or right. You know, people talk about, well, treatment's 30 days and, and then you're fine. No, 30 days is a start oh. and recovery is for a lifetime. It is. It is a process and it uh, you need to enhance your recovery. You need to keep doing things to, to be better today than you were yesterday. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, as, as our listeners know, I don't even like to use the term relapse prevention. I'd like to call it recovery enhancement right because uh, it, it it is a lifetime and it's a new way of life and the only thing you have to change is everything right <laughs> it's, it's not a tall order no no just everything <laughs> just a psychic change yeah, yeah yeah did you bring your guitar to treatment um i actually at that point barely played guitar mm. i i they had a guitar there yeah and you know there were several people who played and, and i would noodle around and we definitely in fact i remember I, I sang Candy from a Cash Machine. Just uh, someone was noodling oh, around. I sang my that, goodness. that went over well. I'll bet it did. <laughs> I bet it did. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. If, I still have people who I talk to after a while. Go, what was that song you sang that night? <laughs> Cash, Candy. Oh. Okay. So you go to California and you go there by yourself? Yes. Uh, and, and again, that's a, that's a tall order to jump on a plane and go across the country into a place that you've yeah. never been before, a, yeah. a, a building, a treatment center you've never been before. Yeah. And struggling the, to stay alive. Yep, yep. And, wow. and you know, and it's all people. It's not it, these people you don't know before yeah. you go in there. You're living with them on very intimate basis <sighs> for, like, the next month you're sharing your deepest. Their family. Their family. And it's funny because it's any, it's, like, young, like, teenagers up through, you know, middle-aged people. And yeah. we all relate. Yeah. I mean, that that is one of the, the perks, I think, of recovery is getting that human connection no matter who you are. Yeah. I mean, it's just... What happened on the 31st day? Uh, the 31st day, I remember being very freaked out to get on the plane and, and feel yeah. like I was a civilian again yeah. because I was thinking, am I trustable? Am yeah. I trustworthy? And Probably a part of you wanted to stay there. Yeah. You know, and, and I mean, people don't wake up on a bright, sunshiny day and say, I think I'll do something about my drinking. Yeah. They don't yeah. go into treatment because, uh, you know, the hotels are filled up. Right. <laughs> uh, and, and yet, usually by the end of treatment, it's like, these are people that have become my family for the last right. four weeks, six weeks, whatever the time is. Am I going to see is. them again? Yes. Are we all going to make it? Yes, you know, there's that yes. thing too. You know? And the reality is most won't make it. Exactly. And, and recovery is a gift, and you have to nourish that gift. Right. So you get on the plane, and then you fly back to New York. Back to New York. And I, I think that, that fear of being a civilian, as I used to call it civilian because that's the closest where I can come up with, but that fear of – I remember putting down in my journal, I'm, I'm, I'm scared that I, I will relapse or I'm scared mm-hmm. that I won't be able to do this yeah. because I yeah. haven't, haven't had a good track record. And uh, But that fear actually motivated me to step up my program a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I made it the main thing. That was yeah. like what I did right. for right. for those Recovery years. first. Recovery first. Because if you don't put it first, everything else will go to crap. And I've, I'm walking... Right. <laughs> example of that. Right, right. So yeah. you get back to New York and a, a new way of living, a new way of life, uh, yeah. a, a new recovery. Yeah. Uh, you immediately start going into the rooms. I assume you get yes. either an old sponsor or hook up I with your... I actually had the same sponsor. Same sponsor, so, yeah, okay. she been very, with me and, and very, very, very supportive. And I had a lot of friends there. That was another thing that worked out for me is that mm-hmm. because I'd started off in New York, uh, I had a lot of dear recovery friends. And so it was I was able to kind of fall back into that mm-hmm. and not create something... Um, you know, from scratch. So I just went in, I went full. I, I, I actually took a little bit of a break from music in terms of getting out into clubs and bars because that just 
it was too it was just too much pressure yeah. and it, it just kind of put me in a weird space and so I just decided to to only do safer yeah. musical activities and, yeah, and yeah. I, I got I got what I call you know a sober job which kept kept me kind of yeah. structured I really needed structure yeah. and I. Uh, but put the main focus on recovery, yeah. and and it's all due to to music cares, and and you're paying it forward now with music cares, uh, with a new CD that's be coming out next spring. And if you go to pledgemusic.com forward slash Andrea Whitkins W I T T G E N S, the proceeds from that will uh, will help the folks at music cares. Tell me about the CD, and tell me about where you are in terms of finishing it. Well, um, I just I just started the pledge campaign uh, last month and so uh, but I've, I'm also simultaneously recording and, and I've come mm-hmm. to Seattle I, I think what it's turned out to be makes sense given my story is that I have a lot of dark songs and I have a lot of light songs right because I've, I've you know I've hit bottom and then I've also discovered you know some newfound joys and peace and serenity so I didn't want to have to choose between you know, oh, I'm I'm only going to do light songs that are joyful. Or I'm only I wanted right, to right. kind of pay respect to both sides. So some of these songs are actually very acoustic. It's just me and a piano mm. singing. I have some gospel singers, mm. and those are those are kind of the more spiritual songs. Yeah. And then there's there are other ones that I that are a little bit grittier, more electric, and that's mm-hmm. kind of where I'm exploring you know darker depths. So I I'm not sure if they're all going to go on one CD or if it'll end up being two. EPs that are kind of you know that kind of right, go right. together like a, a moon and a sun yeah yeah and and, and I, I trust that that will work itself out as I finish the songs usually I'm pretty good at you know you asked mm-hmm. about the title usually that kind of just comes to me as soon as I'm finished with the recording right. it'll be you know a revelation so uh, we'll see but right now we're just kind of in the thick of getting all the songs I I haven't recorded in five years and so um, it, I have a lot of songs yeah that have you're recording in three places why because I want to uh, record in the places that mean the most to me. Mm, you know, nice. it's, it's Seattle. I lived here for 13 years. I have had a, so many experiences here. Wisconsin, I've been going to those songwriting retreats and those music festivals about twice a year for the last five years. So a lot's been done there. In fact, most of the songs from this album were, were done at the Holiday Music Motel in, in Surgeon Bay, Wisconsin. So I, I want to represent that. And then, of course, New York is my new city. And I, I went there and basically had to get sober first, yeah. and now I'd like to have some musical experiences. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Andrea Whitkins joining us tonight on Recovery Coast to Coast, uh, New York-based singer-songwriter. She has a new CD that will be uh, titled and completed next spring. Uh, would you do another song for us? Absolutely. How about I do one that's a little more uplifting and spiritual after candying the cash Sure. <laughs> Up we go. I figured I'd, I'd do the contrast. So this one's called If Love, Then Mercy Too, and it's, um, it's very hymn-like, basically about searching for, I guess, a, a higher power is the only way I can describe it. Thank you. 
But at the top of the mountain, if I sing out your name, there is love, there is love in mercy too. There is love, there is love through the wrong and the right. In the darkest of nights, there is love. And I know in my bones we are never alone. There is love, there is love. Andrea Witkins and a great song uh, that will be on the new CD, right? Mm-hmm, yeah, this will right. be your third CD. The first one was called Alibi. The last one was In the Skyline. In the Skyline. And uh, this will uh, we'll have to wait and see what this Untitled. <laughs> what, what, what this one's going to be. How has your writing changed being in recovery the last four years? Uh, I feel, I mean, I've, I've always used songs as a way of being honest, <clears throat> but I feel like I'm, I'm more apt to be um, maybe more uh more honest about about joyful things Mm -hmm. i I think i always had an easy time being cynical and and complaining in songs you know and and having fun playing with kind of dark images and that's still a very important part because you know we all experience that but i i feel like one thing that's changed is that i'm um i'm i'm less afraid to just express simple simple joy i mean i never would have been writing yeah. a song like this five <laughs> years ago. Not that I didn't like it in other people, but I just, it wouldn't. Right, like, right. The idea of singing a phrase like, I know in my bones we are never alone, just it wouldn't, it wouldn't occur to me. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. <laughs> so wow. um, that's changed. I'm I'm collaborating a lot more. I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know, it's funny. I, I used to isolate a lot with my addiction and I also used to isolate a lot with my art. And, and you know, sometimes I still do that a little bit, but I, I'm, I'm writing with a lot of other people now. And that's, that's changed the flavor and uh, color of the songs as well. When did you first start writing? I, I didn't write my first song in, uh, let's see, until I was in my early 20s. I always loved writing piano music, mm. but I... Uh, I assumed that I would just have to meet a poet someday and that we'd put our words and our music <laughs> together. And then when I didn't write the poet, I thought, okay, well, I'm tired of waiting. I'm just going to try my hand at, hand at it. Yeah, and, I, and it turned out I, I like it a lot. You know, it's actually one of my favorite things now is just sitting and toying with words. Uh, so, um, yeah, I've been, I guess I've been writing for about 15, 20 years. Hmm. Yeah. New York-based singer-songwriter Andrea Witkins. By the way, her website, I want to give you that uh, before we get too much further along, uh, andreawitkins.com, which is uh, pretty easy to remember. And again, the, uh, the the pledgemusic.com is pledgemusic.com forward slash Andrea Witkins. She hit her bottom in New York, hopped on a plane, went to California, uh, got that 30-day running start, and is, is off one day at a time. And, and now working the program rather than uh, the program, rather than Andrea's program. Exactly. Because clearly that didn't work out very <laughs> it well. It did not work out. <laughs> Everybody's going to try it, I guess. And it's funny. It's still sometimes, you know, I, anytime I find myself discontent, it's usually because I'm trying to, you know, stew and run my own yeah. program. And the minute I... Yeah, have, I turn it over. It's, it works. Yeah, 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 yeah. What do you say to people that you meet who are now, today, where you were 
four, five, six years ago. Uh, you mean just on the cusp or just starting out or at an active bottom? Yeah, in terms of struggling and not, you know, trying it and, and going to meetings and, and falling back and, and yeah. thinking, I've, you know, I tried treatment, nothing works. I and one of the things I, I've said to a lot of people because I had to say to myself is, you know, or I, I it, it it worked out this way that I, I am not losing hope in you in the sense that that it sometimes takes 20 times. It sometimes yeah. takes going to a lot of meetings and there's no there's no going in, trying it once, relapsing and then saying, well, I'm clearly not meant to do it. Or, you know, I so I guess the thing is just keep on. They say keep coming back. Right. I, that that is probably the best thing. Right. And that. You know, I like sharing about my experience of struggling, you know, for a couple of years before getting this round because a lot of people think that they're the only one who's not getting it. Right. You know, they think, oh, I'll look at all these people who have long-term sobriety and I'm coming in and I don't get it. You know, but in yeah. truth, a lot of people have struggled for a long time. And so it's uh, that's probably one of the best things I can say to someone is like, you know what, October 2011, I didn't think I, I, I literally remember saying to a friend, I give up. I can't do this. And. I, I meant the program. I was. I meant I tried it enough. It's not working. I can't do it anymore. Mm. And and, but of course she convinced me to go back to a meeting that night. And, and that's uh, that's, <laughs> yeah. that, that's all it takes. One day at a time. You do, you right. know, uh, people think oh, I can never stay sober for twenty years. No, stay sober today. That's oh, all you got to do. Exactly. Just put a bunch of twenty fours together. Yeah, I can't even think of you know more than. A day at a time. Sometimes I can't even think of a whole day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Andrea Whitkin's nice enough to stop by tonight uh, on Recovery Coast to Coast. Uh, she lives in New York, singer-songwriter. We're going to uh, take a short time out. When we come back, we're going to start the next segment with another one of Andrea's songs, and then we'll continue our discussion. Andrea Whitkin's in Long-Term Recovery, joining us tonight on Recovery Coast to Coast. I'm Neil Scott. We'll be here till midnight tonight. Thanks so much for joining us, and uh, we'll take a break and be back with more of Andrea Whitkin's. Are you afraid... Afraid of life without drugs and alcohol? Well, you know, there is help and there is hope at Sundown M Ranch. They'll focus on you and your disease, and you'll discover the dependence on drugs and alcohol is not living at all. Sundown M Ranch is a nationally recognized alcohol and drug addiction treatment center outside of Yakima, Washington. They'll help you reclaim your life and transform your fears into hope. Take the first step right now. Go online at www.sundown.org. I promise to hug my husband. I promise to eat a vegetable as big as my head. What promises have you made today? I promise not to paint the living room. American Family Insurance knows promises are easy to make. Until my wife picks out a color she likes. But they're not always easy to keep. At American Family, the commitments we make are commitments we intend to keep. Because our promises are the foundation of relationships we've built with generations of policyholders. I promise to take my dog for a walk. We promise to treat your family like our family and give you honest, straightforward answers. We promise. I like taking my dog for a walk. Visit AmFam.com to find an American Family Agent near you. American Family Insurance. All your protection under one roof. American Family Mutual Insurance Company and its subsidiaries. Home Office, Madison, Wisconsin. The 
Institute of Chemical Dependency Studies Distance Learning Training offers the required curriculum necessary to start working as a chemical dependency counselor. It's academically solid, provides learning experiences in various formats with an emphasis on treatment, prevention, counseling techniques, case management, and other related areas, offering basic knowledge and skills to be a successful chemical dependency counselor. Find out more about this NADAC-approved training. Call 866-523-2669 or go to www.cdstudies.com. First, your child's heart rate and blood pressure will drop. Your child may experience nausea and want to sleep it off. Hopefully, your child will resist that urge and won't slip into a coma or die from this prescription painkiller overdose. Of course, kids who learn about the dangers of drugs from their parents are 40% less likely to abuse prescription drugs than those who don't. So talk to your child now, and there's a pretty good chance that this will never happen to your child. For more information, visit drugfree.org. A message from Partnership for a Drug-Free Washington in America. Need professional-looking documents? Office Depot can help. From small jobs to bound presentations, bring in your document or submit it at officedepot.com. We'll ship virtually anywhere. Plus, our work is backed by the Office Depot Satisfaction Guarantee. Office Depot, taking care of business. Certain restrictions apply. See store for details. Bless the astronomer Tripping over his own two feet He wakes up in a well With a story to tell And a secret he won't repeat Catches a fever Becomes a believer Sells the farm for a castle in the air A castle in the air Madness rolls in like fog on a shoreline to take away heartache and longing. But it's shipwrecks and fishnets that litter the film set, and all the starlets are yawning. They say, mind your own business, the sky needs no witness, but I gotta build a castle in the air, my castle in the air. My castle in the air. I can't see the stars from here, and I don't stray too far this time of year. For the vertigo, cause I like the feeling of falling. And I could never say no to the persistent ghost. The street below me is haunting. Two feet in front of me, you can have the rest of me. Take me on up to the castle in the air. The castle in the air. 
And you'll get a sunrise as promised Be a brimstone or fire Either way you're a liar It's the ground gonna keep me honest But God and the devil They both say I'm special And I got a room in the castle in the air At the castle in the air The castle in Absolutely beautiful. Castle in the air. Boy, those lyrics. Holy smokes. Feeling of vertigo because I like the feeling of falling. Yeah. Ah, And and the fact that uh, God and the devil both say I'm special. I mean, we, I, do you relate to that? I relate to that. (laughs) Man. Yeah. That is, when did you write that? Um, I wrote that with um, a dear friend, uh, Jim McKeever, who's also wonderful. Uh, I've written with him lots. He's great. Um, we wrote that, you know, we just finished it three weeks ago. Man. And that, that uh, is definitely going to be on the album. We, um, it's, it's very orchestrated. The recording that we did um, is very orchestrated. So it's, we, I wanted it to sound a little bit like a very old song, almost have a Disney feel. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, you're being sucked yeah. into that <laughs> yeah. castle. You know, it's, it's just it's all about my, my feeling, my need to escape. You know, and, and get it. You know, I, I heard a, I read online. It was I think it was from an Aesop fable. Let your house go to disrepair, all for a castle in the air. Mm. And I was thinking, I relate to that. Yeah, I've let my house go to disrepair, all for a castle in the air yeah, before. Yeah. I sometimes do it on a daily basis. Holy smokes! Yeah. Well, uh, Andrea Witkins will have a new CD coming out in the spring. Which, uh, if if I had a vote, it would be uh, to be called Castle in the Air. I, you know what? That that I was going to bed the other night. And was thinking, I think that might be it, Castle in the Boy, Air. Boy, that's uh, that resonates with me. I'll yeah. tell you that. <laughs> you right. know, for what it's worth, Andrea Witkins in long term recovery uh joining us in the studio new york based singer songwriter who's been the most influential person in your recovery Ooh, that is a great question and and what has the highlight been of your recovery of the four years gosh that well the highlight the highlight's just been the constant um finding it's the me too the mm. discovery of the me too yeah, i think yeah. it was Anne lamott who said that yes it's yes the, yes that's sometimes the most powerful who sat thing. in that very seat that you're sitting in oh, six months I adore ago her. Yeah, I she's just great read everything she puts yeah, out yeah. but uh she said you know sometimes the most powerful thing is the me too and and that never fails me I, and that that was the biggest revelation first walking into a meeting but also even now after four years thinking that you're you're alone with this terrible problem whatever it is it's yeah, usually not even yeah. that terrible yeah. problem and you say it and someone says oh yeah, me too. So, so that's been one of the highlights is, is getting that and feeling that um, I don't think I've ever felt peace or I've, I've never felt the anxiety uh, subside mm. until, until these last years. I mean, not that I don't struggle with that still, right. but, but there's, there's this peace that's kind of come over. Yeah, and I think yeah, that would be yeah. the highlight. Yeah. And, and, a, and a person influential, your sponsor, sponsor your for family. Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, um, she, she definitely, she's helped me so much. And, you know, I've kind of, first year was not I'm sure not easy for her <laughs> <laughs> or and for she, anyone around for anyone, you. you know and she just showed me how to kind of 
be tolerant and stick by someone and, you know, always be available. And, you know, now that I'm sponsoring people, it, that's I've learned so much from yeah, them on that yeah, front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're in a relationship with a guy who is in long-term recovery. Yes. Uh, how important is that? Well, I, I didn't think of it at the time, but now that, now that I, um, you know, o- over the years I've thought about that how important it is because we – it's, it's a lifestyle. It's like yeah. you said at the beginning, it's a lifestyle. An and, American way of life. Yeah, and I don't know if I'd be able to explain it or there's no way to really share it unless yeah. you're in it. I mean, as much as someone wants to be right, sympathetic right. or empathetic. Um, so it means a great deal to me that he's in recovery. We go to meetings and share you know, recovery friends together. Right, we, right. You can quote the literature. Yeah, stick, <laughs> sticking with the winners, I guess, exactly. as they say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it just makes me feel safe, you know, when we set up a home. It's based around recovery. Yeah. Singer-songwriter Andrea Witkins, you go out and you do a lot of gigs. Got to be some slippery places out there. Yeah, I'm lucky in that I actually have a lot of musician friends who are also either in recovery or just Mm non-drinkers for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, So I feel like at any given time, I'm usually not the only one not drinking right. at a gig. So that's been really angry. The thing is, too, is that, you know, the longer you spend in the music industry, the more you're apt to run across people who have had to put it down. Right. Because you just, you can't, right. you can't be drinking that intensely and, and gigging and being in bars all the time and, and be able to. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's hard, yeah. you know. I, mean, yeah. I shouldn't say you can't. I mean, I couldn't, and I know a lot of people who couldn't. In the last segment, you mentioned the Holiday Music Motel. Mm-hmm. What the hell is that? That is a beautiful place. It's I call is it, it a motel? It, my, it is. It's a motel. It's a 1950s style motel in Sturgeon Bay, Wisconsin, which is a beautiful area of Wisconsin. And um, uh, musician Pat McDonald from Timbuk Three. I don't know if you know Timbuk Three. Mm, sure. Yeah. Anyway, he um, and his partner Melanie Jane they run these festivals. Um, so m- the musicians basically take over the the motel for a week and what we do is we write intensely nonstop. Oh, man. We do a spin the bottle because we let random we let the universe decide who you're gonna write <laughs> with that night. We do a spin the bottle, you write, as soon as it's done you, you record it and so by the end of the week we might have something like fifty, sixty, seventy songs written and then we release a compilation the following year. So the the best of Wow. But 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 we also have Steel Bridge Radio, which all the songs go on Steel Bridge Radio. So it's just this magical place. What is Steel Bridge Radio? Steel Bridge Radio is um it's run out of the motel, the <laughs> holiday motel, and it's as far as we know, the only radio station that that literally um makes its own material because all the songs are being written and recorded at the motel and then the radio beams it out to the world and you can hear it online anywhere. Anywhere at any time. At any time, twenty four seven Steel Bridge Radio. So if you if you uh, Google Steel Bridge Radio, I, okay. I almost wore my T shirt, which had the, <laughs> the yeah, website. Yeah, yeah, you could yeah, have read yeah. it, but uh, I will definitely check that out. That sounds absolutely. It's, it's magical. It really is. It really is. And the minute you go once to one of these festivals, you can't stop going. And now I'm going three times a year. <laughs> they have them three times a year. Yeah, one uh, Steel Bridge Festival in June, Dark Songs in October. <laughs> which, which is I, as advertised yes, dark, songs. dark songs and then they have love on holiday uh oh, in february man. no kidding so it's just wouldn't happen to be around valentine's it, day it would it very much in fact the final shows <laughs> <laughs> around by valentine's day so yeah oh my goodness i'm gonna have to put that on my radar you have to you would love it it's just the, and the, the amount of music being cranked out of there is amazing yeah yeah, yeah. again i want to give the website andreawitkins.com uh and tell you again about the pledge music campaign pledgemusic.com andrea witkins 
slash Andrea Witkins. Proceeds will be going to uh, Musicare, who provided uh, uh, the uh, the step up for her, the 30-day period where she was able to uh, kind of put everything aside, focus on recovery, and then move forward with her life, with her music, and with her love. I would ask that you perhaps close it out with one more song. Oh, okay. This one's called Marching Orders. Okay, sirrah, sirrah, what will be, will be what? Shuffle it up, get to where you get On the backs of those you trust Life is pretty, life is Joe Beam in a glass Swallow it down From nitty gritty comes law and order There's more than one way to get to mortar It's hard to shake these marching orders may just be stapled to my DNA cause I'll keep going going till there's nowhere left to go us and them and him and her like oil and vinegar Brother love, your royal gloves have turned to packs of dogs. Do you feel frisky? Well, this is clearly deja vu. Play it again. I know it's risky to be faithful and happy from cradle to grave. Just when you think you can't believe in anything, it's hard to shake. These marching orders may just be stapled to my DNA. Cause I'll keep going, going till there's nowhere left to go. Going till there's nowhere left to go. Whoa, 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 whoa. making a stand don't take it serious life's a rabbit in a hat <clears throat> where does it go and aren't you curious downright delirious can't stop from spinning around the same thing it's hard to shake these marching orders may just be stapled to my Marching orders. Andrea Witkins, thank you so much for the songs, for your story, for your honesty, and uh, for your recovery. Thank you so much for having me, Neil.
You have been listening to part one of Recovery Coast to Coast, broadcasting from Clear Channel Studios in Seattle, Washington, carried live on KHHO AM850 in Tacoma, Washington, and heard nationally in streaming audio at www.recoverycoasttocoast.org. We invite you to stay tuned for part two of Recovery Coast to Coast. In our next hour, we will feature an individual in recovery, sharing experience, strength, and hope about this one-day-at-a-time adventure in personal recovery. If you've been in continuous recovery for at least a year and would like to share your story with others, please send us an email at recoverycoasttocoast at comcast.net. For more information about future programs, please visit www.recoverycoasttocoast.org where you can listen to, download, or podcast our last five shows as well as find information on upcoming programs. This is KHHO AM 850 in Tacoma, Washington, broadcasting from Clear Channel Studios in Seattle. Welcome to Recovery Coast to Coast, broadcasting from Clear Channel Studios in Seattle, Washington, carried live on Fox Radio 850, KHHO in Tacoma, Washington, and carried nationally in streaming audio at www.recoverycoasttocoast.org. Two hours of interviews and features, plus questions and comments about this one-day-at-a-time adventure in personal recovery as we share experience, strength, and hope with others so that they may recover from alcohol and other drug and behavioral addictions. And now, Recovery Coast to Coast is on the air. Here's your host, Neil Scott. Welcome back once again, Recovery Coast to Coast, the only program in America on the air five nights a week, two hours a night, talking about addiction with a focus on recovery. Great to have you with us tonight. My old friend Mike Hickey is joining us tonight. He's uh, uh, he's an author. He's got a great book of poetry called A Dress Walked By with a Woman Inside and also a book called Clockwise and a new book that's going to be coming out soon. What's the name of your new book? It's called Tell Me What You Want. Okay, but tell me what the name of the book is. <laughs> <laughs> Mike is joining us. He's in long-term recovery, and it's nice to have you in the studio, Mike. Thank you, Neil. Joining us tonight uh, in hour number two is Blair N. Blair has been in recovery over five years. She grew up in Los Angeles and spent most of her life, or at least half of her life, here in Seattle. Blair, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. Tell me a little bit about Blair and growing up and uh, your life in L.A. and and what brought you to Seattle? Well, um, I was raised with two very loving parents. So that's that's my story. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't attest to a dysfunctional home. I don't attribute that to where my story where my addiction started to mm-hmm. rear its ugly head. I Tell was, me about your family. I mean, do you have brothers and sisters? Or? I have one younger brother mm-hmm. who comes off as the older brother, and I have two <laughs> older half-sisters on my dad's side. They both live in California. Um, they're quite polar opposites of each other, and I'd like to think I'm a little bit of both. Um, they are about... 15 and 18 years older than me Hmm. and babysat me frequently when I was younger. Um, My younger brother is my sun, moon, and stars um, thanks to my story and 
my addiction. Um, I definitely harmed that relationship. Um, I've made I've made amends, which was accepted as as best as I could have asked for it to be accepted. But to sum it up, I'm not nearly as close with him as I'd like to be. He's extremely successful. He's a submarine engineer and mm. sub base banger, and is one of the s- smartest guys that I know. How'd you wind up here? Um, my parents decided that they thought the schools were better up in the the Northwest. Um, when I was about six, they chose between Portland or Seattle, and we all drove up here together. And that's mm. how I ended up. Here. You remember that trip? I. Bits and pieces. Yeah, yeah, do. yeah. Nice. So you move up here, and when when did the uh, the drinking and using start? Um, I would have to say my memory is very blurred, which I'm sure you're not surprised to hear. But it my my story starts when I'm around seven. The using and drinking starts around fourteen, fifteen. I would say mm-hmm. easing into experimentation. Uh, feeling apart from my peers. Um, I felt absolutely, I decided that all the girls that were my same age didn't like me and we didn't have much in common and I did not feel accepted within their peer group. But the girls that were a couple years older than me, two to three years older than me, thought I was cute and dressed crazy. And so I was, you know, they thought I was cute. They liked me. That's all that (laughs) mattered, right? I was being liked and I was shown attention and I wasn't getting looked at out the side of their neck. So I started hanging out with them. Ah. And that's where that starts because they were doing stuff. I don't know. I mean, everyone does stuff at different ages, but they were partying a little bit, and I smoked my first cigarette, and uh, soon thereafter experimented with marijuana and alcohol. You know, not exactly in that order, in a general way. Um, And that was it. Blair N. is joining us tonight on Recovery Coast to Coast in hour number two. Uh, I'm Neil Scott. My co-host tonight is Mike Hickey. Mike? Well, Blair, I was curious when you... We're 14 and 15 and getting getting into the experimentation phase. Did your did your parents suspect that you were did you were you able to sort of hide it from them, conceal it from them? I feel like they were pretty naive. You know, I don't know if that's fair of me to say, but yeah, I I hid it for a little while and you know, when they started sensing funny things happening, um, you know, they I would lie. And a lot of times my mom specifically would believe the lies. And looking back on it, she she said she she can laugh at it today. She's in recovery as well, and I'm very blessed to have that. Your, your mom's in recovery? She is. Wow. How much time does she have? She got sober about two and a half, two years before I did. Wow. So she just celebrated seven. Wow. That's pretty amazing. So so if I'm hearing you correctly, a lot of your early stages of experimentation were a very uh, common desire to fit in, to fit yeah, in with your peer I would, group. With I, the would, yeah. I would say so. Yeah. And once I, once I realized I could, it made me feel different, mm-hmm. that, was, that was it for me. Off to the races. Yeah. Yeah. 
Do you, when did you start getting in trouble? Uh, I was in trouble by the age of 16 and 17. Mm. Lots of lots of theft. Lots of acting out for attention. Uh, really, really wanting to cover up my soft interior, which exists today. Mm-hmm. I want to... I. I put on a tough outside. I'm much more practiced at it today than I was back then. Mm. So you got in some trouble uh, along the way. Obviously, alcohol and drugs are involved in that. From, from that point on up until the time that you found recovery, how bad did it get for Blair? Bad enough. Short answer. Obvious answer. Um, it's. I just want to say that anyone who's familiar with recovery... Um, 12-step programs, they have they know about how the disease is progressive. Mm-hmm. So, you know, where I ended up six years ago, five and a half years ago, is very, very different from what happened when I started. Mm-hmm. I would say that I had extremely bad last four years of my using and drinking, got really bad my whole entire life revolved around it. I couldn't be, I couldn't, couldn't be in relationships, friendships, relationships. I mean, I was in them, but I could not respect them. I could not show up as the friend that I believe, a friend that you can depend on, a good friend, a really good employee. I pride myself in my work ethic, and that was completely gone. My I never stopped lying. Mm. Anybody call you on it? Uh, in the end, my best friend did call me on it. I could no longer lie to her. And, um, you know, I'm sure she wasn't the only one, but that's she's the one that comes up in my mind first when you ask me that. Blair is joining us tonight on Recovery Coast to Coast, uh, a woman in long-term recovery, about five and a half years. Uh, we're talking about what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. Mike? Can you remember the specific anecdote do you remember when your friend said listen we need to talk can you share that absolutely um there was a definite difference from my friend and her sister who i i they're my family today uh we used to sit on the couch and we'd use together but she she didn't participate and drink and use opiates the way that i did it's not that she was squeaky clean and sober square, but she knew I was gradually getting more and more into harder drugs. What was your primary drug, Blair? Oh, uh, well, it all started like you've heard before with marijuana. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. but my primary drug of choice was Oxycontin and everything in its family, all things mm-hmm. opiate. Okay. And, you know, it was uh, my last house on the block was um, intravenous drug use that I never made it down that the end of that street i literally was very very close to doing that um but this back to the situation where she called me out um we were at her apartment and i lied to them and i said oh i just need to run to the store you know really weird really random um and i had had planned to meet my dealer two blocks away and i did i went back to their house and she asked me if I was high. I obviously looked it, act, acted like it. You know, it's very 
very easy to spot, especially for a fellow addict. And mm -hmm. um, I lied right, right, right out of my mouth. I said no. She, you know, right, right away. And um, and what did she say? I don't really remember verbatim, but she, you know, she probably just let it go, but knew in her heart and mind. That she knew, and you knew that she knew. Yeah, but I there's so much in between. Yeah, my heart, my mind, and the actual reality. I'm lying to my best friend on this earth because it just there's only one thing that matters when you're in the grips of active addiction and alcoholism. Mm. Everything, it's they talk about it in the book. They say that. Um, Frothy emotional appeal seldom suffices. And I needed a, it took me a couple of years for other people to define what that meant. But what it means for anyone that doesn't know, and I thought it was absolute gibberish when I first read it, um, it means that you'll sell your your kid's Christmas presents under the tree Whatever. To, to get your next mm -hmm. one. Steal from your mother, which I'm ashamed to say that I did. You know, a, you'll you'll do absolutely everything and mm. anything to get what you need. Mm. So your friend called you out. During that time, what about your relationship with your family, with your mom and dad? My dad has lived in California with with his wife, my stepmother, mm -hmm. who I love and adore. Um, and my mom lives um, off the north end of Bainbridge Island. So I didn't, I wasn't seeing my mom uh, often. Did she know what was going on? She knew what was going on. It was a event that took place in November of 2009. Tell me about it. Um, well, I was obviously invited to my aunt and uncle, my, my cousin's wedding. And half my family lives on the East Coast and the other half on the West Coast. And so it was my East Coast family, fancy, uppity. I probably shouldn't have said that. Um, <laughs> uppity is okay. My cousin's wedding. And we obviously had all, mom, brother, and me had been invited, but we weren't able to all go. So I went because I am loved despite who I am. And I was given the opportunity to take the trip. Of course I couldn't go empty-handed. Of course where, where I was the, Where was the wedding? The wedding took place in Connecticut. On the East Coast. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, so like a good addict and alcoholic, but addict primarily, I made sure I had everything with me, enough pills to, to sustain me through the weekend. So I showed up there. Rehearsal dinner was the first night. And, you know, I proceeded to get embarrassing. At the first night at the rehearsal dinner, I couldn't even keep it to a couple glasses of wine. Couldn't even wait to get back to my hotel room mm. by myself to get blotto. So there, they definitely were keeping an eye on me saying, already knowing I think that I was going down the wrong path, but, you know, okay, and... Really what matters to them is appearances. So um, I was a threat to mm. that perfect sort of appearance. 
What happened? Of their family. What happened is that I don't know if you guys have seen the movie 28 Days with Sandra Bullock mm-hmm. where she mm-hmm. falls into the wedding cake. What happened is everything <laughs> except for that kind of. Mm. It just makes me think of that, so I always paint yeah, that yeah. as the picture so you guys get it. Yeah. Whoever I'm, whoever the lucky person I'm telling this story to. Um, I made a fool of my, my myself yeah. in front of my family and I passed out in a golf co- in a golf cart after the wedding. Um, need I say more? Mm, wow. I mean, I, I, I can remember it. I can remember crawling around the golf course community the, the day after, after losing my cell phone. And mm. I mean, just, you know, this is what happened. Was that the bottom for you, Blair, or did you have to go down further? It took six more months. Mm. But I would like to finish the story sure. if I may. Sure. So um, they patted me on the head and got me to the airport. And my I remember my aunt telling me, you need help. You know, like pitying me, but not not being real, you know, just mm-hmm. I didn't get the impression because I was so far from reality what was about to happen. And what happened was while I was on the plane trip back, she emailed my mother and said, I am no longer interested in having any contact with your daughter. Come to think of it with you. So my mom got swept into this because Oof. she had a history and so did my other aunt of alcoholism, but my mom had nothing to do with this. So I got home, my mom contacted me, and this was when my mom found out that I was into hard drugs. It's all out there now. And that was November. My, I always like to say my higher power chose my sober date. I did not know my last drink and my last drug was my last. Mm. So it took me from November to the beginning of April um, April 11th, 2010, to hit bottom, sufficient to get where I am. Were there people along the way who tried to help you? Absolutely. I started going to meetings about a year and a half. That's an estimate. year and a half before I got sober. Really? So I would use and drink. I would wake up the next morning absolutely miserable, wanting to die. And I would make that resolution it talks about in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous that I wasn't going to do that again. And I would walk to the nearest meeting. Mm. And it would be 6.30 in the morning. And I would walk there. I'd introduce myself as an alcoholic. And I would say, I'm not sober. Or sometimes I would say, I have two days. And even when I said that, it wasn't solid because I was on that marijuana maintenance program that we talk Mm, about. mm, But mm. I kept showing up to that meeting, and I got my first 24-hour coin at that meeting, and I'll never forget the man that gave it to me. And I don't know where he is is now. I saw him at meetings for a while, but he'll be forever in my heart. And um, so when they say keep coming back, I thought it was the dumbest, cheesiest thing on the wall when I got here, but that's the one that worked for me. I always, I always do my best to tell the new person to come back, whether they use and drink or not, come back because it will mess up mm-hmm. <laughs> what you're trying to, it'll mess up your drunk Yeah, yeah. if you keep going to meetings. Blair Ann is joining us tonight on Recovery Coast to Coast. She is a person in long-term recovery. It's about five and a half years now. 
And Mike Hickey is also joining us tonight. Uh, we're going to take a short time out. When we come back on the other side, we'll uh, find out about that transition from active addiction into early recovery and some of the challenges and some of the rewards in that. I'm Neil Scott. The program is Recovery Coast to Coast on the air tonight and every night, Monday through Friday until midnight. We'll be back with more of Blair and her story right after this. These days, we talk about everything. I've been sober now one year, three days, and counting. My sister was restructured at work after 10 years. Welcome to the new normal and the cards for the new normal. New Journeys cards from Hallmark. My girlfriend sent me a card that said I'm really something to celebrate. Encouragement cards for all the stuff we face today. I actually found a card that says, sorry you lost your job. Journeys, new cards with real words for real life. Only at today's Hallmark Gold Crown stores. Welcome back once again, Recovery Coast to Coast, the only program in America on the air five nights a week, talking about addiction with a focus on recovery, putting recovery first. Joining us in this uh, particular segment is Blair. She is uh, originally from Los Angeles, lived here a long time now, however. She has five and a half years in recovery. Her recovery date is April 11th of 2010. And joining us uh, in the studio tonight is my good friend Mike Hickey, another guy in long-term recovery. And we're talking to Blair, and in the first segment, we talked about uh, what it was like for her and the struggles that she had and some of the challenges, some of the embarrassing moments that uh, highlighted her active addiction. Uh, Now we start talking about the good stuff, the recovery stuff, and how it all happened. Even though she was going to meetings for the for a year and a half, she was certainly not very close to recovery. She was going to the meetings, but that was about it. Blair, what made the difference? What happened, especially on uh, on April eleventh, twenty ten, to change your life? All I can remember to illustrate, like the first day, um, was that I I did have a prayer life. I did believe in something I did not call it by anything but I believe there was something out there um and I remember just kneeling on my bed being done Hmm. the night before what I remember is the night before which I I wish I knew for a fact was was it was just an absolute disaster um there's really absolutely nothing worse for an addict or alcoholic than the substance not working anymore. It is absolutely demoralizing. It's You try to use more and more to capture the feeling? It just wouldn't work. And so um, my life was in shambles. I I had lost my full-time job. I I had to take sick leave from my part-time job. I had broken my parents' heart. My brother had no respect or desire to be close to me because of the way that I lived my life. Um, My best friend told me that she was going to have to emotionally cut me off because because I was going to die in my sleep. Mm. And so um, I had been told at meetings, you know, after I said, well, I still have a job. I still have a place to live. I'm I'm all I'm I still got, you know, I'm okay. I still got (laughs) stuff. I, I got stuff. I mean. And, and my, my friends there would say, eventually they would say, uh, you're not going to have any more of that. Mm. And it's going to happen soon. So I woke up that day and I just decided that I would have to accept help. I am probably probably called my mom first. 
she arranged to come over immediately um, and drive me to the recovery centers of King County, RCKC, mm -hmm. to go to detox for six days. And um, I'm grateful and have no idea why, but that was my last day using. Mm. Do you remember much about those six days in detox? Well, I was drugged out of my mind to wean me off the amount of uh, opiates that was in my system to avoid withdrawals. I slept most of it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I remember meeting someone, though, who came to be my favorite friend. We ended up the same treatment center. She was there. She was going through the same thing as me. And, you know, but when you get clean and sober, you notice things that you never noticed before. And those are little moments and little gifts that you're given that oftentimes outweigh the times where you're just barely holding on by a thread. And that, that was one of them. Mm. Mike? You shared with me one time, and I, I would love it if you would share with the audience a little bit about when you were a young girl, and you, were, you had this sort of vulnerability, and you would sit in the corner of the playground, kind of isolated and alone, and alienated from the rest of the group, and, and share with what, what your mom said about that. Okay. Yeah, this little story has a special importance because that, it was the first time that Mike approached me and said he could relate to this story, and we've been friends ever since. So now when I think about it, I think of him. And yeah. I'm just... I'm really grateful to have him in my life. Um, he showed me encouragement and support uh, ever since the first meeting we went to together. So thank you, Mike. Um, I I just always felt apart from, you know, you hear, you hear people like me say that. It's like a common thread. So I used to, I used to kind of hover in the corner outside the, the crowd of kids playing together and not understanding why no one wanted to play with me. And I think I illustrated this to my mom one day and she said, you know, Blair, you're going to have to go to them. They're not going to come to you. You're going to, you're going to have to go say hi to them and play, play with them. You know, you're going to have to go out and get things and you're going to have to initiate, take action. This wasn't, this is what I get from it now, not her words. And make things happen. She also informed me somewhere around around that time in my life that I was I was needed to be my own best friend, and it broke my heart because ever the way I was wired was uh, dependence on other people, and if they liked me or not, that was a barometer for how I was doing. Mm. And it and it kind of seems for you and for other people who are afflicted with any chemical or behavioral addiction, that that little girl is still in there. It's not like sobriety recovery has expunged it completely from your psyche, right? But now you've got ways of, of dealing with it. I know that she is still in there, and I, I have some pictures of her up by my bed because I, I'm really fond of her. It's the other one that I really struggle with uh, I'm not crazy about, just to be honest. There's even been times in recovery where I've uh, loathed her more than I loathed her mm. before I got sober, mm -hmm. which is kind of might come to a surprise. But we hit bottoms in recovery, not just in using and drinking, and uh, right. but 
the bottom line is I don't use and I don't drink one day at a time. And you go to meetings. I go to meetings. And you work a program and I, you read the book. I am in the tw currently working the 12th step. I couldn't be happier about it. Um, it's changed my life. I mean, Neil, this is reminds me of what you've said on the air so many times, that there is nothing that happens in life that you can't make worse by going out Absolutely. and using and drinking. There's Absolutely. nothing in the world. Absolutely. Life is 10% of the stuff that happens to you and 90% of the way you react to it. Absolutely. Yeah. So when you went through treatment, went through detox, and then, then was it outpatient or was it inpatient? Inpatient. I went to Thunderbird Treatment Center, okay. which is basically Skyway, yep. Renton area in Seattle. And How, Was that 30 days or more? It was 28, mm -hmm. and it took me about three weeks to realize that it wasn't a popularity contest <laughs> and the opportunity that I had been put in my lap. Um, it, it was what you put into it, you got out of it. Mm. You know, I had a wonderful counselor in there. She's in recovery long. She's been, she's been in recovery for over 20 years and has a place in my heart forever. And, um, you know, I, I left and I had, I, I, <laughs> I was shaky and had absolutely no idea what I was going to do with myself. So I did what they said, and I went to a meeting that same day I got out, and I um, got placed in a quote-unquote clean and sober house. Oh. In you say quote and unquote. Yes. There's a story there. Uh, there is. I essentially locked myself in my room when I was there drunk guys knocking on my door people that were just still using in there you know then it is what it is i'm not talking down it 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 was good for me and it was also a miracle i stayed clean and sober there but i didn't hang around my clean and sober house you know i was there uh so i had a place to stay um i was building a foundation of people that i knew women hmm. primarily uh, that I knew in recovery. So I would go to meetings and after about two months, because I love to work, uh, I got an, got a job. Um, and so I went to work, I went to meetings immediately after work and I'd get home safely by the grace mm. of something better than me. That was my, I stayed there, I think approximately four months. What about a sponsor? Um, I, I'm trying to remember. I I got my first sponsor either before I went to treatment or d right after treatment, and w she she changed my life. Um, she's extremely religious, and I'm extremely not. So it was with her that the term God grew on me. But she wasn't she wasn't pushy about her religion. It you know. Uh, Alcoholics Anonymous is a spiritual program. It's not a religious program. So she first opened the book with me. I've got more. I'm summing up the story with her. We opened the book and we worked together and I didn't get into what we call the action steps with her, but she got me into the book and we were probably together about six months before I decided to get another sponsor that I just felt was... Uh, more available, but we've continued to be friends. Mm. I call her mom. She gave me a, 
her five-year necklace when I turned five years last April. I've had her come to meetings that I've secretaried to chair, and um, she's absolutely an angel in my life. Blair Ann is joining us tonight on Recovery Coast to Coast. Uh, she is in long-term recovery, five and a half years, and uh, sharing her story tonight along with uh, Mike Hickey, who's joining me in the studio as well. We're going to take another short time out. When we come back, we will continue our conversation with Blair on Recovery Coast to Coast. Nothing destroys young lives and tears families apart like chemical dependency. But you have the power to put the pieces back together again with one call to Sundown M Ranch. Sundown's nationally recognized program and professionally certified staff treat each individual teen with care and compassion. Safe, gender-separate, successful treatment. Sundown M Ranch helps put families back together. 1-800-326-7444. 1-800-326-7444. Call today. Reason number 22 to switch to GEICO. We think renters are cool. Now, we don't know if you were born cool or if it's just all the cool stuff you have in your apartment. The point is, if you want to protect your considerable coolness, ask GEICO about renter's insurance. For as little as $12 a month, you can protect all the stuff you hold near and dear, including that combination flat-screen TV espresso machine. Now that is cool. For a fast, easy rate quote on renter's insurance, visit GEICO.com or call 1-800-947-AUTO. Welcome back once again. Recovery Coast to Coast, the only program in America on the air five nights a week, two hours a night, talking about addiction with a focus on recovery, talking good stuff tonight with Blair N. She's been in long-term recovery about five and a half years now, uh, had uh, quite a story going into recovery. She's maintained her recovery since April 11th of 2010. My co-host tonight is Mike Hickey. Mike? Well, you know, Blair, you talked a little bit about um, finding a sponsor and how important that was in your recovery journey. On the, on the flip side of that, have you ever had any sponsees? And, and if you have, talk a little bit about that experience, if you would. I was probably, first of all, I completed the 12 steps before I was instructed that I could have sponsees. That is my experience. Everything that I say on this show is my experience and no finger wagging. So that's how I was taught from my sponsor at the time. Um, there I would get um, asked to sponsor um, and I would absolutely say yes and get excited about it. And that was about my second year of recovery and I was very much a different woman than I am today. Uh, don't know how to set boundaries, extremely codependent, not understanding that this is out of my sponsor's mouth. My job as a sponsor is to guide another alcoholic through the book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and that's where the 12 steps are, and everything else is a bonus. It's not my job to be their mom, their best friend, their ATM. <laughs> their, ba their bail bondsman. I didn't get that, you know? And I'm just so desperate to be liked that I didn't know how. And, you know, it's like my first inventory I ever took, you know. I didn't do it right. And to anyone who's experiencing that, uh, that's that's the way it is, I think, for all of us. So just recently, I've had an absolute miracle in my life. I've been blessed with sponsees who have hung around. Um, and, you know, that's what we do is we, a lot of us, go in and out and it takes 
being ready and willing and open-minded uh, to want to take direction. And essentially, if you want to get this, in my humble opinion, you've got to take direction. Your way is not the way. <laughs> Tell me about, and if you're just joining us, Blair is our guest in hour number two tonight. She's a member of uh, 12-step program. You told me in the first segment that your mom has been in recovery about two and a half years longer than you. What role did she play, if any, in your going into the rooms and in your sustained recovery? My mom is so fantastic. I'm so proud of her and proud to be her daughter. Um, You know... I really wish I could remember this more clearly, but I mm. believe that she took me to my first meeting. Ugh. I go to meetings. I've been sitting in meetings with more people that don't have present supportive parents. They might not, you know, they don't even know their parents, mm. let alone have a friendship and a healthy relationship. And how about like what I get with my mom is like she's a fellow alcoholic. Mm. So we get to joke about people who take a sip of their glass of wine and put it back <laughs> on the table, and we're absolutely baffled by this. If you're an alcoholic, you're, you will sit there across the table from someone and obsess about why they're not finishing their drink. Mm. So there's just little gifts like that. Uh, we go to meetings together. She lives not far in in pers- grand scheme of things, not far from me, but... About, I would say probably maybe once a month we get we might hit a meeting together. But, you know, our relationship is better than it could have ever been. You know, she made amends to my family. Mm-hmm. I made amends to my family. I couldn't have been dealt a better hand. I've got to ask you, did you make amends to the family in Connecticut at the wedding? Absolutely. How, um, how did that go? But ha- had you asked me my first Six months of uh, sobriety, if I was going to do that, yeah. absolutely not. Absolutely, I'm keeping my mouth clean yeah. on, this, on this interview. <laughs> absolutely not. I wasn't willing. I couldn't wrap my head around it. The day I got back from the trip, did I want to make amends <laughs> when I was still using? Yes. You know, I was devastated, but it. so it takes time. If you have a party, a part of your story, a person in your life who you're absolutely burnt up at that you actually harmed, but you're mad at them and you can't ever imagine making amends to. If you stick around and work the steps with a sponsor, you're going to be amazed mm. as to how that might change. How did they take it? Um, I wrote them. I did it via email. Mm-hmm. I said at the end, um, I, it would mean a lot to me if you just contacted me, regardless of how you receive this, contact me to let me know you received it. Mm. And they acknowledged it, and I believe that they said thank you, and that was it. That's and, enough. Um, that's enough, and I'll just share that um, if there's one thing that's all over my inventory every single time, every single person, place, or thing I'm resentful at, it's expectations. Mm. So I told myself I didn't have expectations of how they were going to respond. That was a lie. Mm -hmm. But bottom line is that they received it, and I cleaned my side of the street to the best of my ability. And you can move on. And I've moved on. Mike? 
because expectations are premeditated resentments, right? And one of my sponsors, their resentments waiting to happen, at least for us. Absolutely. So I'm going to ask this question, and I'm going to beat Neil to the punch because I know he's going to ask this question. If there's still people out there suffering from chemical behavioral addiction, what would be your advice to them? Well, don't be discouraged. If you're, if you know at the bottom, in the, in the depths of you that you don't want to do this anymore, I mean, I think what I did and what a lot of us do by just going to meetings, whether you're sober or not, uh, that's that plants the seed. It's a hard question for me to answer, just because every alcoholic and addict is different, and it's a, it's a crapshoot because. Some of us get it before we kill ourselves, and Mm -hmm. some of us don't. So the bottom that's sufficient to bring about a personality change, a spiritual experience, whatever you want to call it, uh, is different for every addict. So I, I, the keep coming back thing, I, it sounds cheesy, but it's what worked for me. How difficult was it for you in that first year to keep? coming back um you know I just I made it a habit to go to meetings I mean there were there were times obviously when I was beside myself but I was carried Mm. I was carried by something I can't describe because it is beyond me how I stayed that way my life dressed I was pretty miserable um I was pretty miserable up until about 10 months and my life drastically changed in the form of a person and um, also, I just want to say that year one to two was absolutely the best time, best time in my recovery. Maybe, maybe with the exception of recently. Why? Um, because I met somebody that showed me, showed me what it was like, what no matter what actually meant. You know, the term gets, the phrase gets thrown mm-hmm. around, but it's, if I may explain, um, I heard someone share the other night about what it means, and you've got two different uh, two different things that are separate. And the thing that we do when we're addicts and alcoholics is we mix the two. So no matter on this side, there's life. On this side, it's your recovery or your sobriety or hopefully both. And whatever happens over here in life does not affect your sobriety they're completely separate mm. so if something happens over here it doesn't touch anything over here and right. that was described to me in a meeting and i just think it's an excellent metaphor recovery first recovery first mm. Mm. what about now what is life like for blair today five and a half plus in recovery today i wake up not afraid to wake up that is amazing for me Mm. um there was a time in my sobriety when i was so every every and that time thankfully i mean i i can't put into words what that means to me i have a dependable job that i love with it's just the most amazing work environment i've ever worked in and i you know there there are times when they have to ask me to leave because I don't, <laughs> not recently, but I, I don't want to go to my outside life because of things that mm-hmm. are going on. Mm-hmm. 
but I have found uh, the busier that I stay and the more involved in the in pro the program and service in more than one form, the better I am. Um, I recently was blessed with more than one sponsee, the most sponsees I've ever had in my recovery who have I've gotten the opportunity to get as far as open the book with. And no matter how I'm feeling, I wake up with a purpose. No matter how I'm feeling about myself, these women depend on me in some form. And it's all I ever wanted was to be depended on, honestly. So I go to work. I do my very best, like, by default. That's just something that I was, I'm very, I'm very grateful to my work ethic. Um, I go to about five meetings a week. If I go three days without a meeting just for this alcoholic, I start to get know mm. what's going to happen. Uh, my disease is very much alive and well. It's just arrested when I'm working with other alcoholics and going to meetings. Um, but it, 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 it wants me dead. It wants me dead. So I just have practice at... Uh, I'm starting to practice the real tools that are that are described and given to us in the program. I'm getting to know myself. I'm hanging out with myself for the first time ever and it's been it's been something else. I'll tell you that much. Um, and I I I try to uh, do creative things and do art and I'm working on doing other things just to, mm. just just other than just work in meetings but balance balance but i i would i would just want to say to anyone who's early in recovery if you have the opportunity to to just do recovery in meetings or trying to acquire recovery there's nothing wrong with that blair has been joining us tonight uh, on recovery coast to coast talking about what it was like for her what happened and what it's like now i thank you and wish you continued uh, uh, continued love and recovery one day at a time Thank you so much. Mike, thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you, Neil. I'm Neil Scott, the program's Recovery Coast to Coast. Uh, Thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, We'll catch you next time. You've been listening to Recovery Coast to Coast, a program feature of the Nonprofit Alliance for Recovery. Recovery Coast to Coast is heard nightly from 10 p.m. till midnight Pacific time, Monday through Friday, from Clear Channel Studios in Seattle, Washington, carried live on Fox Radio 850 KHHO in Tacoma, Washington, and heard nationally in streaming audio. For information about future programs, please visit www.recoverycoasttocoast.org, where you can listen to, download, or podcast our last five shows, as well as find information on upcoming programs. Please join us next time when we share experience, strength, and hope with others so that they may recover from alcohol and other drug and behavioral addictions. The bright side of addiction is recovery. Recovery.